Hello and welcome to episode 724 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, August 7th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today, taking a look at some scheduling. Now, I'm not looking at all individual schedules for the 30 teams because you and I both know that that would take about 30 hours for me. Instead, what I'm doing is highlighting a handful of teams here, talking about some of the good and bad that they're facing coming up and giving you an opportunity to maybe set up some streaming that you would want to do ahead of time. Now, that doesn't mean go get these guys now for end of the month stuff, but put it on your radar now. You start to make some notes and, you know, maybe on on the August 17th waiver pickup, uh, or I guess it would be the 18th, that's the Sunday before uh, the week of the 19th, uh, you'd be picking up some guys for the week of the 26th. Or this upcoming weekend, August 11th, you'd be picking up for the August 19th, or the week of August 19th. You know, get ahead of things a little bit. And if you're in a daily league, of course, you don't have to be that far out. Maybe you can be two, three, four days ahead. But either way, let's just get into it. I think it'll work. Uh, let me know what you guys think about this and uh, if you like it better as a podcast or as something that's written. So I'm going to start with the Twins. Now, I am looking at things from August 12th through the rest of the month. And for the numbers, we're talking about how teams have performed since the All-Star break here. And the reason we're doing that is because teams change, right? We just had the trade deadline, injuries, uh, call-ups, all sorts of different stuff. And so looking at the full season, I don't know if it's as useful. And, And one of the examples right out front is the fact that the Twins get the White Sox twice, Detroit twice, and Texas the rest of this month. And you're thinking, well, Texas, darn, I thought they were pretty good offense. Yeah, when Joey Gallo was there, they are. But now they're bottom five in Woba against righties since the All-Star break at 291 because Gallo's not there. So the Tex- uh, the Minnesota right-handers get those five series. Again, two White Sox, two Detroit, one Texas. That's Jose Barrios, Jake Odorizzi, and Kyle Gibson catching a really nice set of scheduling there and if if things really break and they get starts in most of those series that could go really well for them Barrios of course full you know uh, on on a roster in every league borderline ace etc etc so he's not really getting picked up now this isn't just picking up guys though I know a lot of y'all have trade deadlines that go beyond July 31st you could go trade for some guys that have favorable schedules too but uh, Jake Odorizzi and Kyle Gibson, I think, are more in play here as potential pickups. Gibson more so. I think Odorizzi is still carrying the shine of his early season. So I don't know that he's getting cut in a ton of leagues. I don't want to pretend, you know, oh, he's available. And then yeah, you guys are like, nah, dude, he's, you know, 100% uh, on rosters. In fact, I'm going to look up his roster rate really quickly here. Um, but Kyle Gibson, I do think, is somebody who is still kind of bouncing on and off of uh, waiver wires. Yeah, 86% at ESPN Leagues for Odorizzi. And if he's 86% at ESPN Leagues, they cater to shallower formats. That means that he's not available in any of the deeper leagues, Jake Odorizzi. But Kyle Gibson's only 62% at ESPN, meaning there is some availability. So you want to look at those three righties. They're getting they're getting a big come up there uh, facing the White Sox twice, Tigers twice, and Texas. Now, the only tough lefty team that they're facing is Texas because they actually go the other way in Woba against lefties. They're, they're actually top six. Uh, so that's good. that could be a little bit of danger for Martin Perez and Devin Smeltzer. While the White Sox and Tigers are not bottom five against lefties, they're certainly not good either. 
So Perez and Smelter are going to be even more available than somebody like Kyle Gibson. And you could pick on uh, on those other teams, Texas and the White Sox, with those two guys perhaps too. So the Twins are really about to hit a, land, a windfall. I almost said landfall. A windfall uh, schedule-wise here. And that could be dangerous for Cleveland. Actually, I before I said that, I maybe should have looked up Cleveland's. Maybe they're about to get a good one too. But I do know that that division's getting tight. And everyone's saying, oh, you know, the... the um, twins could get caught by by Cleveland. I don't know. Schedule's really going to tilt toward uh, toward Minnesota. Meanwhile, just eyeballing it quickly, starting with next Monday, Cleveland has Boston at the Yankees for four, at the Mets for three, which is a toss-up. That could be difficult if they continue to play the way they have been. But then it softens up with KC and Detroit uh, for six to end up the month. And then the final two games uh, of the month are the first two of a series in Tampa Bay, which is a little difficult. So yeah, Minnesota could really buy themselves some space here against Cleveland uh, with the way the schedule starts to line up. Let's move on to the Marlins. So again, we're not just going with all good or all bad teams here. It's just kind of a mix. I just made a, a list of notes and it's a little bit scattershot, but again, I think there's going to be some value here. The Marlins, as we know, they're garbage. Um, they are, let's see here. They are bottom five against righties. And I think they're bottom 10 against lefties. I only wrote down the bottom five against righties and lefties and the top seven against uh, uh, against each side, too. So the Marlins, as we know, are bad, and we've been picking on them all year. You should continue to do that. Now, they do have a trip out to Colorado soon. And, yes, you're not dying to use guys in Colorado, but if pickings are slim, you might take the opportunity to throw, throw one of the Rockies against the uh, the Marlins, even though it's in Colorado, Herman Marquez is obviously still on a roster in all leagues. Um, he's gonna he's scheduled to get one of the starts against them. Pete Lambert, John Gray, Gray on a roster in most leagues, but Pete Lambert could be somebody that hey maybe you take a shot there. Really, what we're looking at here though is Atlanta, Philly, and Cincinnati. They're right-handers are the ones you want to look at. And they have uh, some available right-handers that you're going to find in shallower leagues and maybe even some in deeper leagues. So you're talking Mike fulton Julio Tehran, Vince Velasquez, Jake Arrieta, uh, Anthony Descofani, Anibal Sanchez, and Joe Ross. Again, you're going to have to look at the scheduling. Oh, by the way, um, I said Atlanta, Philly, Cincy. I didn't include Washington as well. Uh, but I did, I did write down their guys, so I, I messed that up. But uh, yeah, Washington's going to be in that mix as well. And of course, the the premier starters on Washington are on roster in all leagues, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. But they're back two guys, Anibal Sanchez, Joe Ross, pretty available. So the Marlins are going to offer and continue to do so uh, favorable matchups there. So take a look at how the schedule is going to line up for those four teams, Atlanta, Philly, Cincy, and Washington and make your pickups accordingly and try to get the jump on it because everyone's already looking at the Marlins, so you're going to have to be out front on that. Same with, with the Tigers. And I already mentioned that the uh, the the Mar- uh, excuse me the Twins get them twice. Now, that is toward the end of the month, so you do have time to kind of figure that out, whether it's via trade or pickup. Minnesota faces them on August 23rd through 25th and August 30th through September 2nd. So we do dip over into September a little bit there. But that's a bunch of games for the Tigers against Minnesota. I already highlighted that they're righties and even their lefties, really, because the Tigers aren't really hitting anybody. They're just dreadful against righties and poor against lefties. Um, You also want to look at 
some other lefties on other teams that they're, that the Tigers are going to face. Marco Gonzalez, Yusei Kikuchi on Seattle. Ryan Yarbrough, Brendan McKay for Tampa Bay. Wade Miley, uh, and then, of course, Martin, uh, Wade Miley for Houston. And then, of course, Martin Perez and Devin Smeltzer for Minnesota. So the Tigers are going to offer plenty to pick on, uh, you know, Travis Demerit did come over in the Nick Castellanos trade. Maybe gives a little uh, boost to the offense f- for what he's doing, but he isn't going to be necessarily better than Nick Castellanos. So they haven't done anything to uh, really improve themselves or make them scary in any way. And I bring that up because, like, uh, the Jays, for example, they've made some moves to where they've got all their baby Jays up. So now they're starting to become a little bit more scary for opposition, uh, and some of these young teams can do that as they get – a bunch of their prospects up. They can become scrappy and dangerous teams. I really don't see the Tigers becoming that. They're a full team to pick on. The Rays are really interesting right now. They have a trip to San Diego. They get home against Detroit and Seattle. Then they go back out on the road against Baltimore, Houston, and then uh, Cleveland back home at the end of the month. And it's an interesting mix of guys that they have with the, the San Diego, Seattle, and Detroit, and Baltimore series, those are four in a row. And I said them out of order because I'm, I'm, I'm a dummy. <laughs> San Diego, Detroit, Seattle, at Baltimore. That's the four in a row. Um, their rotation is so in flux right now. It's basically Charlie Morton and a band of clowns. Uh, you know, Ryan Yarbrough's good. He usually gets an opener. And, and Brendan McKay's good, too. He's, he's about a five-and-dive guy right now, though. But... Um, you know they're they're not the most stable guys, and in fact, both are likely available in shallower leagues. Yarbrough and McKay, but then you have like Jalen Beeks maybe getting an opener and then coming in for the middle innings. Trevor Richards could be brought back up to do the same. Those are guys you might want to look at and, and scoop up because if they get into the mix with these Detroit, Seattle, and at Baltimore series, maybe even the at San Diego. San Diego is one of those teams that I would say is more like the Jays where they're not very good as far as their record right now, but they're not necessarily a team that you're picking on as far as uh, as far as streaming goes. And you know, they've got some interesting pieces there. They have a mix of youth and veteran that makes their lineup hum a little bit and they can be a bit dangerous. So be careful with the San Diego piece, but then after that it really does open up uh, for the for the Rays there with again Detroit, Seattle and then a trip to Baltimore. But then you want to jump off board because they host Houston or they go to Houston and then they get Cleveland. Um, you obviously you're still sticking with your Morton and we'll see how McKay is doing by that time. You might want to still stick with him. But uh, the Beaks, Trevor Richards, and maybe even Ryan Yarbrough, you, you would only want to use against these softer teams and then push away when Houston comes on, on board. Now, I did mention the Jays. They actually have a favorable schedule coming up, but their, their rotation sucks. Um, I just don't know anybody that I would really recommend. They have Seattle twice. Texas, who I mentioned, is bad against righties. And then the Dodgers, uh, which uh, who are weirdly and surprisingly bad against lefties. They are bottom five in WOBA against lefties since the All-Star break at 299. Now, even before the All-Star break, they were only at 331, which isn't terrible, but it's certainly not you know, as good as, as the Dodgers have been, say, against righties, where they're at a 356 since the All-Star break and 342 before the All-Star break. So they, they can be exploited a bit with the right left-handers, but I don't think the Jays have said uh, said left-hander or right-hander. So 
I wanted to bring up that, hey, they do have a favorable schedule coming up, but who are you really trusting that, that you could maybe sneak some starts with? Trent Thornton's been interesting at times, but I don't know, man. Thomas Pannone, Sean Reed Foley can miss some bats, but then he walks the world. Uh, Jake Wagesback, I forget how to pronounce that. Jason said it on yesterday's show, and I tried to commit it to memory, and I didn't because I don't think that that's what he said. I think he said something totally different than that. Uh, but anyway, if you identify one of those guys that you have some confidence in, the schedule might play favorably for you. But honestly, uh, even though we're talking pitching streamers here, I, I would like to just highlight the Jays and say, well, you know, the schedule's going to get bad. They're going to face some weaker pitching. So hopefully their offense continues to go off with Bichette, Biggio, Guriel Jr., Vlad Jr., and then some of their veterans like Teoscar, Grichuk, uh, Galvis and Smoke and then maybe Danny Jansen can get back on track too because I know he'd had a run going and uh, he was turning the tide a little bit but then he's falling back on hard times uh, next up are the Cardinals they're trash offensively they, 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 are, they are the forky of the MLB if you've seen Toy Story 4 you get that uh, they're 30th against lefties since the All-Star break with a 260 Woba 322 before the break, so they've really fallen off. 322, again, isn't uh, beating the doors off of anybody, but it's a hell of a lot better than 260. And uh, they're 23rd against righties at 307 since the break. So they've got eight against Cincy coming up. That's uh, Descalfani and Alex, Tony, uh, Anthony Descalfani and Alex Wood, two guys who could be available that you would want to get. Or maybe trade for like a Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo. You could trade for them more or less regardless of if the schedule was was getting favorable or not because they're just good pitchers. But the fact that they are going to get a bunch of games against the Cardinals coming up certainly helps. But Anthony Descofani and Alex Wood are the guys who are going to have some availability. They get six against Milwaukee. That entire rotation is probably available in some shallower leagues. Chase Anderson, Jordan Lyles, Drew Pomeranz, Gio Gonzalez, Adrian Hauser. That's a mix of righties and lefties that uh, they're going to get six games against the Cardinals. And then Colorado, they get four against them. I think it's four in in St. Louis. That one's a little bit tougher because Marquez and, and John Gray are on rosters. And I don't know that you really want to go for the others, but... You deep NL only folks or uh, you, you know, crazy 16, 18, 20 team mixers. You might start to venture out with an aforementioned Peter Lambert or don't, don't, don't do Kyle Freeland y'all. Don't, don't jump on board with that right now. I can't, uh, I can't in good conscience recommend that regardless of what the schedule does. I'll tell you what. I could honestly say that even if the schedule came up, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and KC in a row for the Rockies, all on the road, those are the three worst against lefties since the All-Star break. At uh, St. Louis at 260, Pitt, Pittsburgh at 280, and KC at 291. Even if that was the trio of, of series in a row, I still couldn't confidently recommend Cal Freeland for a pickup. He's been that bad with no real signs of, of turning it around. I know his last start was, was halfway decent at home. It was uh, five innings, two runs, five strikeouts, and a walk against uh, the Giants. But no, no, too too risky, too risky there. Um, so, yeah, that's the Cardinals. You want to look at your Reds and Brewers for pickups when they're facing those Cardinals. And it, 
I didn't actually look at the full scale schedules of Cincinnati or Milwaukee, but if they've got some other favorable stuff around there, those could be some guys that you're holding. In fact, didn't I mention Cincy earlier? Oh yeah, for the Marlins. Let me just do that rule while we've got uh, while we've got it on the front of mind though. Bear with me here. If you've ever listened to a spore solo, you know I start looking up some stuff online. You're gonna hear the mouse clicks and all that, but that's just how we roll. Let me pull up this Cincy because they might be they might be the team to go for here. All right, so they're they're against the Cubs uh, this weekend, or no, starting tomorrow. Oh, they they're off today, and then um, they've got a four game set against the Cubs to finish off this week. Then they go to Washington. That's not super favorable. But then it starts with a home stand against St. Louis for four, San Diego for three. And I just mentioned San Diego saying, "Hey, they're not they're not easy. You you don't want to like." You're not thinking, hey, we're picking on them. But they do have swing and miss. Um, and if Alex Wood winds up in that series, they have a 26% strikeout rate against lefties. So that could be pretty good. In fact, he will. One, two, three, four. No, he won't. No, he won't. Sorry. Alex Wood will pitch against St. Louis. He'll miss the San Diego series. Either way, though, San Diego is a team that you're not picking on, but you're not avoiding at all costs either. So if you pick up some of these Cincinnati guys for the uh, for the St. Louis series, you, you might just hold them through the San Diego one because then they're going to Pittsburgh. Hang on, I lost my tab and I have 5 billion tabs open. Uh, then they're going to Pittsburgh for three and Miami for four and then to Seattle, St. Louis for four. So yeah, you really want to get these Reds. And the two, again, that are likely to be available are Anthony Descafani and Alex Wood. Bauer, Gray, and Castillo you'd have to trade for. The other two you could pick up. And let me re- let me repeat their run. Starting on August 15th, four against St. Louis, three against San Diego, three in Pittsburgh, four in Miami, four in in St. Louis. And that last four game set in St. Louis wraps around to September 1st. So that takes you from August 15th to September 1st. Cincinnati has a schedule to die for, man. Uh, I will say their offense yeah, has some tough parks there with, with PNC and Miami. And even St. Louis, I think, runs a little uh, pitcher favorable. But their pitching has a chance to really explode. And that's really intriguing there. So, uh, again, I'll highlight it one more time. Anthony Escalfani, Alex Wood, those are the guys who are likely to be available in leagues. You want to go out and get them soon. Uh, preempt your your uh, your league mates there. And then if you're in the trade market, the Bowers, the Grays, the Luis Castillos, the, one of those three, obviously they're going to cost a pretty penny because they're just good in general. But you know that the schedule is going to light up for them very soon. And I'm even looking into their September schedule. And it's not difficult. Like there there are some teams that, hey, you know, there are no pushovers. Uh, they open with Philly for four. But then Arizona trips to Seattle and Arizona. So they, they have home against Arizona, trips to Seattle, trips to Arizona, trip to the Cubs. And then they uh, have the Mets in Milwaukee at home. And then they end with a trip to Pittsburgh. So from here on out, Cincinnati's schedule is nice. Very nice. Uh, all right, next team here we have the Rangers. And I've mentioned them a bit already. I'm just going to highlight them a little bit more here. Now, again, they're bad against righties. 
good against lefties. At some point, if Joey Gallo comes back, that'll tip the scales a little bit for what they're doing against righties. But as it stands right now, I've already highlighted uh, Minnesota gets them for four. So Odorizzi and Barrios and and Gibson, yes. Uh, Devin Smeltzer and Martin Perez, no. But then they have the Angels, White Sox, Seattle the rest of the way. Some guys you could consider with them are Jaime Barria, Nicholas Tropiano, Reynaldo Lopez, Dylan Cease. Now, Seattle's all lefties, so they're a no-go against the Rangers. They got Kikuchi, Marco Gonzalez, Wade LeBlanc, and Tommy Malone, and uh, the Rangers could clean their clocks. Now, I will shift into the Mariners as well, and their schedule is interesting. They've got Detroit, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Toronto, the Yankees, and Texas. So you lop off that Yankees and Texas. That's at the end of the month. But these next four sets with um, Detroit, Toronto, De- Tampa Bay, Toronto, you have the 16th, 23rd, 11th, and 23rd teams against left-handers in WOBA uh, since the All-Star break. So it can be a little bit favorable for those aforementioned lefties until you get to the New York and Texas series. So that's Kikuchi, Marco Gonzalez, Wade LeBlanc, and Tommy Malone. Now, Marco Gonzalez is the one that I would definitely be interested in for the Detroit-Toronto-Tampa-Toronto setup. Uh, Kikuchi and LeBlanc are maybes. Didn't Wasn't Malone doing a few good things for a bit, but then he's come back to uh, Tommy Malone-dom? Let me see. Let me see. What have you been up to, Tommy Malone? Okay, he's got almost a strikeout per inning this year, and he's not walking, guys. What's he been doing of late? Yeah. okay. So... He did get off to a fast start through eight starts. Uh, were they all starts? No, no, no. Through eight appearances, we'll call it. Although he was doing some extended, um, he was doing extended outings after an opener. So they were essentially starts. But Malone wasn't wasn't going from batter one, so we can't truly call them starts. But the bottom line is, uh, he had a two ninety five ERA through forty two and two thirds innings. Uh, and that was from May 21st to June 28th. He came into July, got beat up a little bit by St. Louis, put up two and a third clean against the Angels, got beat up by Oakland and Texas, but then has rebounded against Detroit and at Houston, where Tommy Malone put up five innings of two-run ball with seven strikeouts and a walk. So Malone's in the mix, too, here for this run. Again, I'll, I'll reiterate one more time. It's against Detroit, Toronto, Tampa, and Toronto. Now, one of those is in Toronto, and I don't know which one because I didn't label it, but let me just pull up the Mariners' sketch for you and get an eyeball of, of who's doing what. So, again, they finish their series against San Diego today. Then they start with the with the Tampa Bay to end this week. But everything that we're talking about starts next week. So they're going to be in Detroit for three, the Mariners are, in Tampa Bay, uh, in Toronto for three, in Tampa Bay for three. So they're on the road for nine, and then they return for three uh, against Toronto before the Yankees come to visit, and then Texas for four. So I mentioned that Toronto, they are 23rd against lefties since the break. I also mentioned them as a team like, hey, you might want to be a little bit careful with them because of all the baby J's that are up. If they're that bad against lefties, though, I don't know that you necessarily have to be that cautious of them. I think part of it is because they have a lot of lefties 
amongst the baby J's. Don't no, never mind. Never mind. I, I, I rescind the hell out of that. I thought Bo Bichette was a lefty, so I thought Biggio and Bichette were lefties. Actually, of of their four youngsters leading off the lineup, it goes Bichette, Biggio, Guriel Jr., Vlad Jr. Three are righties. So it's kind of surprising that they've been bad against lefties. Um, I will say Marco Gonzalez is probably the one I'm, I'm honing in on the most here. And he gets Detroit on the 14th. Then Tampa Bay on the 19th, and then one, two, three, four, five. And then he would get home against Toronto on the 25th. So I'd still pick him up, even with one of the starts against Toronto, who I'm not exactly sure, you know, they're, they're a rollover. I would still pick up Marco Gonzalez. In fact, if you picked him up now for tomorrow's start, or excuse me, for, is that Friday? For Friday's start against Tampa Bay, you know, they, they don't go easy on lefties. But he's been pitching better of late, so maybe you could even start it now. Um, or you wait, you pick him up over the weekend and get him set up for his at Detroit. All right, the next team here is the Giants. We know that they're bad. Um, they've tried to pretend that they're not. And what are they, one and six? Are they, what are they, one and six, one and five since the month has started? I'm sorry, Giants fans. I'm kind of laughing because I, I thought it'd be funny if this happened. That'd be funny if they didn't sell and then had a terrible start to the month. Yeah, they're one in five in August so far, and that's kind of funny, right? That's kind of funny because they're not good. They knew it. We knew it. They're they're more with it. Fans understood that. At the same time, I do understand the the difficult position that uh, Farhan Zaidi was in as far as trying to sell. They did make some moves. I thought. With the restrictions that they had on them, they didn't have a terrible deadline. It just stinks that they couldn't really trade Bumgarner and Will Smith. Anyway, their schedule upcoming um, is nice for sure. They're 29th against lefties with a 293 Woba, and they're 16th against righties with a 325. That's again since the All Star break. They have Oakland, Arizona, Chicago Cubs. Oakland again, Arizona again, and then the San Diego Padres. Now, three of those are two-game sets, so their schedule's a little a little weird there. You'll have to really dig in, kind of see how to plan things. But the guys to consider, you can consider righties and lefties, but guys who may be available in this run that you'd want to consider are Zach Gowan, Mike Leak, Merrill Kelly, Denelson Lamette, Cal Quantrill, and Eric Lauer. Now, I didn't include anybody from Oakland, but let me pull up their rotation real quick. Because the, I think two of the two game sets are against Oakland, though. So you'd really have to make sure that that they're even going against them. Hang on. I'm, I'm drowning in tabs again, and I'm trying to find their roster resource page. Okay, here we go. Oakland's rotation. Um, they're probably available in a lot of, like, most of them are available in a lot of leagues, I will say. I, that's what I would imagine, whether it's, you know, Roark, Fires, Bassett, deeper leagues like 15-teamers and whatnot, they're they're probably on a roster. They've been being streamed. Uh, Bailey, I don't know that I would – that the thing with Bailey, man, is that he can really go sideways on you. Obviously, anybody can. We've seen that this year. That's kind of the theme of this year. You, you trust a, um, decent, a decent pitcher or even a good pitcher, and he's got four or five good starts in a row, and then he drops an eight bomb on you, and it's it's so frustrating. Anyway, um, that, that first two-game set against San Francisco 
it starts off next week. It's it's a Tuesday Wednesday deal on the 13th and 14th, and that's slated to have Brett Anderson and the aforementioned Homer Bailey. It is in San Francisco. If you want, I mean, they're brutal against lefties, so maybe you take the Brett Anderson chance. And then they're they're pretty bad or pretty mediocre against righties. They certainly don't scare me. If you want to get risky, you can do the Homer Bailey thing. Now let's see. Their next two games set against them is the 24th and 25th. So it's hard to plan that far out. But just if we're eyeballing it here, I think it would line up to be, let's see here. That would be, it'd be Bassett and Brett Anderson. So Brett Anderson would get them twice. Now in between that, he gets Houston. So you can't really just grab him. You can't grab Brett Anderson for the start at San Francisco on August 13th and just hold him, at least not in your lineup, because you don't want him against Houston. That's for darn sure. Uh, but then you could pick him up again to face San Francisco on August 24th or 25th. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm really focused on the Arizona and San Diego guys, because the Oakland ones are a little difficult to time, and they're not that good. Uh, speaking of Oakland, you got to be careful with them. They've got two game sets, uh, but they do have a four-game set at KC, it, oh, so here's what they sorry sorry let me rewind on Oakland. They have two two game sets against San Francisco and a four game set at KC. But in in the midst of that, they have four games against Houston and six against the Yankees. So you're really playing, you know, you're really trying to dodge the landmines with them, and maybe it's more trouble than it's worth. Uh, particularly with the entities that would be available. Now, if if we're talking Roark, Bassett. Even Mike Fires, who I know nobody really believes, and yet we do the same thing like every year with him. And I know he's had some bad years. It's not like Mike Fires has just been awesome forever. But you look at Mike Fires, and he really only has the one dreadful year. That was 2017 with Houston, where he put up a 5.22 ERA. But uh, you know, just looking at since 2015. As far as his five full seasons here, he's got a 369, which is nice. 448 when he was with Houston in, in 2016 for Mike Fires. That 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 whole season itself, you wouldn't want a a 169 innings of a 448 ERA, but there were spot start opportunities within that season. Then there was the ugly 522, but then last year 356, and this year 346 uh, for Mike Fires. So you could still stream him. Now, maybe you you keep an eye on him if he's on your waiver wire. Actually, you would want to pick him up for tomorrow or for Friday start against the White Sox. But then you either reserve him or cut him. See if somebody you know picks him up for Houston, which I I doubt they will. So he'll probably linger on the wire there. Then you then oh wow, so <laughs> Fires gets the White Sox on Friday, but then he gets Houston and the Yankees. So you could just cut him and dare one of your league mates to to pick him up. But then I think it would wind up to be KC after that. Uh, but then it's but then it's at New York right after that. <laughs> so Fires is difficult, man. You really have to just spot him for the White Sox, cut him, try to get him back for KC and cut him again or at least reserve him depending on your league size because you don't want to mess with Houston and the Yankees twice. I know I just got done trying to like speak positively about Mike Fires, saying that he's been so good uh, throughout most of this this tenure here, but damn. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at his game log, and I'm changing my tune a little bit. He's actually done really well against Houston this year. They blasted him in April, but since then he has two six-inning, two earned run outings against them. Um, hang on. No, no. So they blasted him for six earned in one and two-thirds in April. Then it was six and two-thirds, two runs, seven and two-thirds, two runs. Has he faced the Yankees this year? He has not. But he has faced Minnesota, another great offense. He's he's done well against them twice. Six innings, one run. Six and a third, three runs. So I don't know, man. Maybe maybe fires. Maybe that's like a zig play or zag. I don't know. I never know which one is going the other way. Um, I guess you have to identify what your league is doing. If they're zigging, you zag. If they're zagging, you zig. Whatever. I don't know. But maybe maybe that's like uh, that. Maybe that's the four D chess move is to actually get Mike Fires for the Friday start at the White Sox, but then hold him, give him a chance against the Astros because it's at home. And then if he, does, if he doesn't blow you up there, maybe say, okay, now I'll give him a chance against the Yankees because it's at home. Let me see if he has a definitive home road split. Let me check that real quick. He does by ERA, but not by skill, really. 254 ERA at home, 462 on the road. That makes sense, though, right? Because he has these middling skills, and a big, spacious ballpark like Oakland can take advantage of that. So I don't know. I might have convinced myself on Mike Fires. Now, these solo casts, if you've been listening to them forever, you know I've convinced myself of some stuff. So I start to get here and start talking to myself, and I, I can really get myself into some wild situations. Raise your hand if you remember the, the Todd Frazier episode. This was from years ago. He was in the midst of an amazing power speed season. And I think I started talking him up. I was like, I don't know, man. Todd Frazier's like a top 10 player if you really think about it. If you just extrapolate what he's doing this year. That had to have been at some point in 2014 or 2015. He went 29-20 in 2014 and he went 35-13 in 2015. But I was, I was you know, probably around this time of the year or in July and extrapolating and like, dude, he's about to go for 50, 30 and he's going to be the number one overall player. So I don't know. I think that, I think talking myself into peak Todd Frazier probably has a little bit more solid ground than suggesting that we we should maybe start Mike fires at home against Houston and the Yankees, (laughs) but I don't know. So anyway, that that's going to wrap it up. Those are the teams I wanted to look at. I wanted to highlight some starters there. Hopefully you found some info here that is useful. I think the key takeaways would be that uh, Minnesota has some favorability coming up in their schedule. Um, there's some guys that, that might be available for the Marlins uh, or facing the Marlins that you could you could pick on, uh, pick on them with. Cincinnati has some really intriguing guys, Descalfani and Wood, Alex Wood, that are likely to be available that you would want to go get. Uh, and then a few other kind of little knickknack things. So let me know what you thought of this. Hopefully you can find some usefulness. We're going to do more schedule stuff for sure, whether it's in print or on the pod, because again, I think that's really where the biggest edges are down the stretch here. When we're playing every little thing that we can, every little rock that we can turn over, schedule becomes such a big deal. But I appreciate y'all listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Justin.